0: John 20 on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb so she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved and said said to them they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him at that Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first, stooping down. He saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then, following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying.
1: But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, Why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father, and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her.
2: When it was evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, "'Peace be with you. "'As the Father has sent me, I also send you.' "'After saying this, he breathed on them and said, "'Receive the Holy Spirit. "'If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven you. "'If you retain the sins of any, they are retained.' "'But Thomas, called twin, one of the 12, "'was not with them when Jesus came. "'So the other disciples were telling him, "'We've seen the Lord.' "'But he said to them, "'If I don't see the mark of the nails, in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side. I will never believe." A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe.' Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that were not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name.
3: Amen. These are written that you, you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Isn't it incredible to think that that story that these women have done such an incredible job of sharing with us gives life to you? Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. I'm going to ask you today to make a trade with Jesus I'm going to ask you to make a trade. To trade your fears, your doubts, and your confusion for what's next. A new life with Jesus. And I can only do that with confidence because of what you have just heard. Right? That's the only way that I feel comfortable asking. The fact, the truth, that Jesus is alive. Amen? There's a few of you out there. It's okay. We're going to get there. It's all right because I'm bad at celebrating. I'm really bad at celebrating things. So we're going to like But we need to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate a couple things, and then I'm going to tell you about how I know that I'm bad at celebrating. So, uh, man, let's celebrate for just a moment all those people that have made a decision to follow Christ in baptism since last Easter. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. (laughs) You know, it's really neat, this, this idea of the gospel and gospel multiplication. We get excited for those people but we get excited for the generations of people that will get to know Christ because they know Christ. Man, people that we will never know who will know Jesus because of their decision to follow him. So we celebrate with Ketty as she tells her story. Man, I celebrate how the weather told the gospel this weekend. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's just so cool. It's so cool that uh, yesterday was nasty and cold, and i Like, I had a a trailer full of limbs that I had to take to the dump, and it was muddy and nasty. Like, it was horrendous. Everything was canceled, and people sat in their homes not knowing what to do. And today, with a little bit of fog, the sun came out. I love it. I love it. We celebrate these women who, who shared the story of the resurrection with us this morning, Danielle and Alicia and Bridget. And, man, what an honor to, man, to honor the women who, man, they were the first preachers of the gospel. Mary, the first one to run back to the disciples and share that. And so we, we honor and celebrate her today. Today, if you've got a Bible with you, we encourage you to turn to John 20 where they just read from. If you don't, you can get out your smartphone. We're on the Bible app. And we've got some notes from today's sermon in there. And um, while you're doing that, I want to tell you about a really, really incredible thing that uh, Christ Community is doing right now. And so um, while you're looking that up, we're going to talk about the resurrection today, and we're going to talk about what the resurrection does in our lives. But there's a lot of, uh, shall we say, skepticism about the resurrection, about the, the truth that Jesus was a dead man walking. And so Daniel Bright, who kicked off this series a couple weeks ago, he has done this really cool project. Uh, he has done a, a mini-podcast series where he has taken time to interview a doctor and a lawyer and a psychologist. And a police detective, all around the idea of the resurrection of Christ, and so um, you are going to get a chance to hear that if you uh, are tuned into our podcast on regularly, it's going to come out. You got to wait three days. How awesome is that? We're going to preview that this week. If you want to make sure that you don't miss any of those, you can text at DMW Podcast to eight ten ten. At that's Dead Man Walking. Dead Man Walking Podcast. DMV Podcast 81010, and we'll make sure and send links out to all the content in that that podcast series. So I'm super excited about that, because that's going to maybe give some backbone to the truth that we're going to stand on today, which is that Jesus is alive. He was really dead, and now he is really alive, and he has defeated death. So back to this idea of celebration, right? I am terrible at celebrating. Maybe some of you are like me, because instead of celebrating, I would rather worry about what's next. Any of you with me on that? A couple of you? Some of you are just like partiers. Yeah, let's go. And then there's some thinkers. We were talking about this this weekend, right? We've got doers and thinkers. Uh, I, too often I'm a, I'm a thinker. Uh, here's another way that I knew this happened. A couple weeks ago, over spring break, uh, my family made a trip to Disney World. Incredible. It was a lot of fun. But we would go on the best rides in the planet, right? Right? Uh, you get off a ride, and everybody is so excited. They're trying to find their picture, and they're trying, you know, everyone's excited. Oh, my goodness, can you believe what we just did? It was amazing. And here I am. All right, I'm looking at the itinerary, and what we're going to do next is we're doing this, and the map says we need to go this way. Everybody ready? Like, here, here we go, right? And I was way more worried about what was next, about what was next. I was worried about what was next rather than celebrating what we'd just done. Man, there's so many things in life that, that are true of that, that that's the way that we, we do those things. Uh, now, there were a few moments where we didn't know what was next. They were terrible, <laughs> right? Guys, there's a break on the itinerary. What do we want to do? Six ideas later, you just want to grab everybody who's, you know you're having fun with and be like, no, I don't want to do that right and and so those moments where we didn't know what next i could just feel the stress rising up in my body the people that i called family were all of a sudden called into question are you sure you're the people that i just had fun with on avatar i'm not really sure anymore when we don't know what's next it gets, it gets hard to trust each other it's like i'd i'd rather just know what's next and move on to that you know it's much of the same for the disciples as they waited behind locked doors, trying to figure out what was going to happen next. It was really hard in those moments for them to trust God, not knowing what was next. They had left their livelihoods. They had followed this guy named Jesus, believing that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And now he's dead, and they're sitting in a room, having watched the Messiah been severely beaten, Murdered, crucified, wondering what happens next. When we don't know what's next, it's hard to trust the one who does. Amen? You know, we can go around this room person by person, story by story, hearing of the unknowns that are currently shaking our faith. We're not talking about things that happened in our past. We're talking about right here, right now, today, there are things that are shaking our faith because we aren't sure what's next. And for each of us, there have been and there are times when we don't know what's next. We lose a job or our boss leaves and our job loses its stability all of a sudden. We don't know what's next. A family member is moving. Perhaps a family member has passed away and we're just not sure what this next season looks like. We receive a bill in the mail. It rocks every financial step that we've ever taken. We may have done everything right, but that one bill, it just, who knows what's next now. We're left looming with questions when we leave the doctor's office with an unclear diagnosis. We're not sure what this is, but it might be this. We're left reeling for days. Maybe you've witnessed something traumatic Maybe it had nothing to do with you, but you saw it happen, and you just can't seem to shake it. And it forces you to begin to wonder, man, what's next, Lord? Like, I'm not sure how to even process or move forward in life. This rocked me at my core. You fail a test that you needed to pass. You're pregnant, and you know that the baby inside of you is going to change your life. And there's no way for you to know how it's going to change your life. When you don't know what's next, it's really hard to trust the one who does. Maybe today you just know that the Lord is calling you to something more. Maybe today you've stepped back into a church for the first time in a really long time. And that's okay. You're struggling to figure out what's next. And when we don't know what's next, it's hard to trust the one who does. So I want us to consider some of the characters that we met in this uh, this telling, this reading of John chapter 20. First, we think about the disciples, right? When, when we don't know what's next, sometimes our fear locks us up, like it did the disciples. They were afraid for their very lives, having seen what they had just done to Jesus. And so, uh, Scripture tells us in verses 19 and verse 26, it repeats it twice. These guys were, were literally behind lock and key, worried for their very lives. They'd been called and commissioned to be fishers of men. But for the moment, when they don't know what's next, they're cowering behind locked doors instead of casting their nets. And so I ask you the question, have you maybe, like the disciples, isolated yourself? Have you locked the door, said you just needed some time to figure it out, all in an effort to mask the fear of not knowing what's next? Because you didn't know what was next, it was easier to, and you were a little afraid of it, it was easier just to isolate yourself, to go away, to lock yourself away than it was to embrace that with a community of believers. We think about Peter and John. Peter and John, the the one whom Jesus loved, they ran to the tomb, right? They ran to the tomb when when they heard that it was empty. But when they didn't know what was next, their doubt denied them the opportunity to be among the first to share the gospel. I want you to think about this, right? They they come into the tomb, they see it, and if we look back at the text there in verses 6 and following, Verses verse 6 and following, it tells us that they found that head wrapping neatly folded. Such a neat detail that John includes in the story. It's a neat detail because it reminds us, it, it tells us that Jesus' body wasn't stolen by a robber, right? I mean, if you were there to steal a body, you wouldn't have taken time to neatly unwrap the headdress and fold it up and place it there. And so they know, right? They see, even John says, I believed when I saw. They, they see and they believe, but they still have so many doubts. They can't put all the pieces of the puzzle together. There's just a few things that are shy for them, and so they just return behind the locked door. Their doubt denied them the opportunity to, to be the first ones who were out there sharing the good news. And it makes us ask the question, have we ever, have we ever wished that we maybe stepped out earlier, that we placed faith a little sooner, that instead of waiting to take action, we just believed and had faith. I ask the question, are you missing out on the blessings of God, not because you don't believe in Him, but because your doubts keep you from following Him? And then, last but not least, we think of Mary. When we don't know what's next, sometimes our confusion makes things cloudy. Mary's heart was in it, there's no doubt. She was there early. She stayed. She was heartbroken. But even with her Savior standing right behind her, even looking him in the face, her confusion, her inability to process what's happening, it clouded her to the point that she didn't even recognize the face of Jesus. And so how many of us, like Mary, have maybe experienced suffering We're going through a difficult time. Or maybe we've been hurt by the church that left us so confused about what was right that we struggle to recognize what Jesus is doing, even when he's doing it right in front of our face. So as we think about the good news, before we get there and we realize how good it is, we have to ask ourselves, what's our story? Are you afraid of what's next? Do you doubt that Jesus is with you, even though you believe he is real? Are you confused about how Jesus wants to work in your life? When we don't know what's next, it's hard to trust the one who does. And Mary knew that all too well. Already anxious, she was at the tomb as early as she could be. But he wasn't there. (laughs) He wasn't there. Most were too afraid to get out. Peter and John saw it, but they had so many doubts that they went back. Mary's confused. And all that leads us to verse 11. Verse 11, follow along with me if you've got it pulled up. Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. Probably not even sure like why she's crying, right? It's one of those moments, I'm just crying and I don't know why. And as she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and at the other at the foot. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord. She told them, I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was him. Woman, he said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. My favorite line. Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary. You see, when we don't know what's next, the gospel story, the story of the resurrection, reminds us that Jesus knows your name. He knows your name. He knows you intimately. In response to all of this that's happened, the fear, the doubt, the confusion, he simply speaks her name. And in the response to all of your fears and all of your doubts and all of your confusions, Jesus simply speaks your name. He reminds you that he knows your name. And that brings us this unimaginable comfort to think that the creator of the universe knows you by name. But what's more is that he knows what's next in your life. Jesus knows your name and he knows what's next. Back in Matthew chapter 10. Before the crucifixion, Jesus is sending his disciples out on a mission. It's a mission full of unknowns. They don't know what they're getting into, but they're going to, to preach to their friends. They're going to preach not to the Gentiles, but to those that they have been born among. So many things, so many questions are popping into their head. And he says this to them in, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 26-31. through 31. He says, therefore, don't be afraid of them, since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent? But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus takes all of your unknowns, all the questions that you have, the fears, the doubts, and he says, forget that. Forget those. I'll tell you what. I'll trade you. You give me those, your fears, your doubts, your confusions. You give me those, and I'll give you confidence in your next step i'll bring things into the light to help you see where you're going i'll uncover what seems covered up to you you're like wait a second that's it that's that's the trade that doesn't seem like it's a good deal for you jesus he says you're right it's not it cost me everything I left heaven and ended up dying on a cross. It was awful, it was horrendous, it was terrible, but but what they didn't know was that I was stronger than death. I was stronger than the things they didn't know. That's what Jesus says to us when he offers us this trade. You see, Jesus Christ knows your name. He knows your name, but he also knows what's next. Jesus has already seen where he's sending you, and you have nothing to be afraid of. He left the tomb empty so that you could be full of the Spirit wherever you are sent. I want you to see this pattern with me in the story of these people that we're interacting with here in John chapter 20. You see, he reminds each of these people that he knows them, he loves them. They don't have to be afraid, but then he very quickly sends them on their mission. Look at Mary first in verse 17. Verse 17, we read this. Maybe. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. You see, he says, Mary. He reminds her that I know your name. I love you. And now I'm sending you back to the disciples to go and tell them. And then he does the same with the disciples. We look at verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Right? He sends them out. And then last but not least, Thomas. Everybody knows Thomas, right? He's the one who didn't believe, doubting Thomas. But he comes to Thomas and he says, I know you. Let me prove that you know me. And I love what what is said. In verses 28 and 29, it says Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know what's crazy about Thomas's story? Is that he's one of the first disciples to then be sent to people who have not seen, who were outside of the Roman Empire, who would have no understanding of what had happened to Jesus. They didn't have social media in those days. It wasn't broadcast for all to see. And so Thomas, the one who doubted, was the one who was sent to tell the good news of Jesus to those who had never seen, never heard, had no idea who this Jesus guy was. I love it. You are sent. If you have the courage, I want you to raise your hands if this statement applies to you. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead after dying for my sins. If you've got the courage, that's true of you, raise your hand. All right, here's the next one. Jesus is the Lord of my life. In other words, I am servant to him. If you've got the courage, raise your hands. If you've raised your hand physically, or maybe you did it mentally because you're a thinker and you're scared of what's next. See the application there? I got you. Got you right where I want you. If you've raised your hand, then this statement is true. You have been sent into the world by Jesus. He has sent you in the same way that he sent Mary to tell the disciples. He sent you in the same way that he sent the disciples to tell all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and and to the ends of the earth. He has sent you like he has sent Thomas. So the question becomes, how do you live sent? How do you live in such a way that honors the resurrection? How do you live in such a way that says, I believe that Jesus is alive, that he is a dead man walking the streets of heaven preparing a place for me? How do you live that way? I want to share with you a compelling story, a research story, from a book entitled Finding Your Way Back to God. Uh, There was a guy named Mark Russell who did a research study uh, on business as mission. And he began to research several businesses that went to Thailand um, as missionaries. Like, they they were intertwining these ideas of business and mission. Incredible stuff. Okay? So he followed 12 businesses that went to Thailand as business as mission organizations. Six of those groups, half, went with the primary purpose of converting people from Thailand to the Christian faith. Like, we're going there. As missionaries, and we're going to get a job in business to support ourselves, okay? That was one. Then there was six others who went as what they call blessers. They went there to be the best businessmen they could be who were Christians, okay? Twelve groups, six converters, six blessers. You wanna know what the difference in those two groups ended up being? It was crazy. At the end of the study, the businesses that went as blessers ended up converting people at a ratio of 48 to one. 48 to one, because they lived sent. They understood that God had crafted them, that he knew their name, that he'd already seen where he was sending them. He knew that he was sending people who had great business minds to live on mission for Christ in the way that they conducted themselves and and blessed the people around them. He knew. And at a ratio of 48 to 1, these people began winning the people of Thailand to the Lord Jesus Christ so that they could share in the glory of heaven. How do we live sent right here? How do we live sent in the lives that God has blessed us with? The authors of that book put together an awesome acrostic. The idea of of blessing people comes with some really tangible things. So the first thing they would say is that you've got to begin with prayer. It's a specific prayer. The prayer is this. God, how do you want me to bless the people and the places that you have sent me to? How do you want me to bless the people and places that you have sent me to? It's an understanding that you are where you are in your daily lives for a very specific purpose and reason. And God wants to use you to bless others in that place. So you must begin with that prayer. The second one is simply to listen. Like, Wow, this is, I, can, I, can live, I can be a disciple maker, a missionary, if I just listen to the people that God is sending me to. You listen, and as you begin to listen, you begin to hear their story. And as you begin to hear their story, you begin to hear the things that they're believing that may not be true. Third is to eat. Man, this is getting better and better all the time. I can do this Jesus thing. I can listen. I can eat. And every these shared experiences, we build trust, and we continue to to live sin. We share meals, and they say you serve. What I love about this is, like, it goes in line, right? If you listen to people and you relationally eat with people, they'll tell you how you can serve them, right? So often we just want to do what what makes us feel good. I'll write a check to serve you. I'll help you this way. But if you oftentimes just sit and listen and eat with people, you really learn what they actually need. You can serve them in a really, really great way. And then last but not least, story. When the Lord leads and the time is right, you share the story of how Jesus changed your life. This saw six businesses in Thailand win people to the Lord at a ratio of 48 to one. So my question for you is, can you bless people? Can you live sent for the Lord? I'm going I'm to challenge you to take this and write it on your mirror in your bathroom, put it on your car somewhere. And I want you to set a goal for yourself and and say, I'm going to bless, underline, people this week. Maybe you say, I'm just going to, I'm one, I'm starting with one. I'm going to bless people this week. I'm going to bless one person. I'm either going to pray for them, listen, eat. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to share the story of Jesus with them. Maybe you're like, I should do this at least once a day. So that's seven maybe five or six. I don't know, pick a number, but set a goal and put that somewhere. in front. I'm going to bless so many people this week. You see, you live sent by being a blessing to the people and places that God has sent you to. You're like, wait a second, Blake. You don't know me. You don't understand. I am not a high-level businessman going to Thailand. Can I share a story with you? there was a 75-year-old guy. This guy had no kids. He always lived in the same town. And God showed up in his life one day, and he asked him, would you leave your hometown? You don't know where you're going yet, but would you just leave your hometown? Leave your family, and while you go, I just want you to start blessing people. Do what? I mean, God, I hear you. I believe in you, but you want me to do what? The rest of his life, this guy was a nomad. He just walked around blessing people, listening to people, eating with people, serving, sharing the story of Jesus. He was literally the best nomad that anyone could ever be. And millions. And millions of people know Christ because of this man. His name was Abraham. His name was Abraham, the best nomad he could ever be. In Genesis 12, we read about the calling. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And that same promise that God gave to Abraham, he gives to you. Generations later, Jesus would be his descendant. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Like, Jesus is born into his family line. And decades after that, Abraham was honored when the author of Hebrews wrote this about him in Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God." Don't you want that to be your epitaph or obituary or whatever those words are? Like when you die and people can't be with you anymore, don't you want people to say that about you? He just followed God. He was a blessing to people. It was amazing. You see, church, we need each other to be the best fill-in-the-blank that you can be. We need you to be the best veterinarian that you can be. We need you to be the best teacher that you can be. We need you to be the best entrepreneur. We need you to be the best at whatever God has called you to do. And and just like be a blessing in that way. We need the band to be the best band that they can be. They're going to come back up and lead us as we continue to worship today. So here's the thing hear that challenge to bless people because of how Christ has blessed us with the empty tomb people who are able to bless people are all people who have made the trade they've made the trade they've traded their fears and their doubts and their confusion and their anxiety for a new life of knowing that their next step is in Jesus' footsteps They've made that trade. I told you I was going to ask you today to make a trade with Jesus. And so here in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to do something really uncomfortable. I'm sure. But a lot of you raised your hands and said, I believe in Jesus. And we talked about how that means you're sent. And you might be sent right here today for this very purpose. Because here in a few seconds, I'm going to ask you to look to the person on your left and say this, I've traded my old life for a new one with Jesus. He is alive and he is my Lord. And I'm going to ask you to turn to the person on your right and I'm going to ask you to say, I've traded my old life for a new one with Jesus. He is alive and he is my Lord. I'll let you sweat that out for a minute. As the band comes back up, we respond to that trade. We're going to take part in communion. The Lord's Supper. And as we do it, right? We're remembering that Christ was broken and poured out so that we could be filled with the Spirit. That we could be full of Him. And so if you're a baptized believer in Christ, we invite you here in a few moments to come forward and to take a piece of the bread that represents Christ's body and to dip it in the juice. It remembers the blood that was spilled out. And to take that, to remember the brokenness, to remember the pain, but to celebrate that because of that brokenness and that pain, you are filled with the Spirit. You are blessed to be a blessing. While we respond, it's also your last chance to give in the silver cans in the back before we pray for our offering. I'm going to ask you to say this to the person on your right and your left. And if you can't say that today, if you can't say that out loud to the person on your right and your left, I want to ask you to join us in the starting point room. You passed it as you came in today. So that we can help you make the trade. Because the reality is, is your life hasn't begun. If you can't say with confidence that you know Jesus and he's given you that new life. We want you to be on next year's list of people who have said yes to following Jesus, beginning with baptism. Here's the thing. If the person beside you can't say that, that I've traded my old life for my new one with Jesus, he's alive and he's my Lord. If the person beside you can't say that, I want you to look at them and I want you to say, do you want me to go with you? Because we are a community of believers that walk alongside of each other as we walk with Christ. All right, you ready? this a go outside moment all right on the count of three you're going to look at the first which way are we going first you want to go left or right all right left on the count of three one two three i've traded my old life for a new one with jesus he's alive and he is my lord all right on the right if you haven't done the right All right. Here in just a few moments, the band's going to continue. They're going to start to play. I encourage you to sing with them. Man, for so many of us, that moment right there is a moment of celebration because we are reminded that Jesus is alive, that He's the Lord of our lives, and we don't have anything to fear. But I have no doubt that for someone, For some of us in this place, that was a moment of reality, of stark reality. That I may believe in Jesus, but I don't follow him. I'm not sure that he's the Lord of my life. And if that's you, come to starting point. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord that knows your name and knows what's next in your life. Would you stand with me as I pray and as we respond to the gospel? Jesus, you are alive. And you make this incredibly unfair trade where we get to give you our burdens and our hurts and our fears and our worries and our sin. We get to give those to you, and you give us a new life. It's ridiculous. And so may we honor, may we honor that ridiculousness today by repenting from who we are and saying, you know what? I don't need that old life. I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. Make me new. Father, give courage to each of us today to be real about who we are, about where we stand with Christ. And for those of us who are in Christ, may you challenge us, may you lay heavy upon us that we are blessed to be a blessing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.